Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. You're listening to the Archaeology Show. TAS goes behind the headlines to bring you the real stories about archaeology and the history around us. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Archaeology Show, episode 246. On today's show, we talk about the controversial Netflix documentary, Cave of Bones. Let's dig a little deeper and hopefully find some more tools in that <laughs> deep, deep cave. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Welcome to the show, everyone. Merry Christmas. Oh, wow. It's Christmas ho, Eve, isn't ho, it? Ho, ho, ho. ho, ho. Oh, points to anybody who gets that <laughs> reference. Like literally anybody, you're my best friend. <laughs> so it's Christmas Eve when we're releasing this episode. So our Christmas present to you is talking about, you know, Netflix. scandal in the archaeology world. <laughs> scandal? It's not a scandal. It's not really a scandal. It's just a little bit of a... Controversy, I guess, maybe a little bit. Every discovery is a controversy. Every it's dis- not that either. You're making something out of nothing. <laughs> I am not. Go look at all of the links and sources that we have sure. linked in our show notes. But so what we're talking about today is Homo Naledi and the documentary on Netflix called Unknown Cave of Bones. Yeah. And I think we heard about this documentary when it came out over the summer, but like we were busy, we were traveling a lot. We just did not get around to watching it when it first came out, but it sort of circled back into our, into our sphere sometime recently. And we were like, oh yeah, that thing, let's watch it and talk about it. (laughs) So that's what we're doing today. Indeed. So take a look at the links. If you haven't seen the documentary, go watch it. If you don't have Netflix or you don't want Netflix or for whatever reason, there's something that I link to. It's uh, in our notes as, let me go up here, Cave of Bones Explorers Club talk with Dr. Lee Berger, because I uh, was in a, I think I mentioned this on the last show, I was in a hotel room and I mm-hmm. couldn't get my Netflix to work because I wanted to watch it while I was on a, on a client meeting. And so I just looked for something on YouTube and the Explorers, he's part of the Explorers Club, he's a member, mm-hmm. and they did a talk earlier this year, I think it was in the early early fall. Yeah. And it's it's really good. I mean, yeah. it's, it, it's got video, it's got pictures, it's, it's him talking about what made up this whole documentary. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, um, it's more of a, I wouldn't say a scientific lecture, but it is a little bit more... More presentation. Yeah, a little yeah. more than the documentary yeah. sensationalism the that they do. The documentary is super slick, but it does yeah. have like those sensationalized moments, whereas right. it sounds like that is a little bit more information yeah. presentation sort of a thing. So. It's good. It's very engaging. It's yeah. about an hour. There's some questions and answers at the end, yeah. and it's uh, it's really good. And so. the documentary is just a little over an hour, too. So it's, yeah, it's like not, an hour and a half. Yeah, it's not a huge commitment, yeah. but it's totally worth watching for, yeah. for sure. So let's start this off by talking about Homo Naledi and the Rising Star Cave and, and what that's all about. And then we'll get into the documentary. Yeah, for sure. So Homo Naledi is the most recent addition to the human family tree, or not human, but the pre-human Mm-hmm. What is the word I'm looking for? A paleoanthropological family yeah. tree, you know? And Naledi is the, uh, means star. 
Okay. By the way. Gotcha. Yeah. That's where I Homo did not Lloyd, know that, but that makes sense. Because of Rising Star Cave. Yeah. They were found yeah. in the Rising Star Cave in South Africa. Yeah. And in 2013, I think is when the bulk of the discovery of these remains happened. Yeah. At least the initial discoveries. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they really figured out what they had going on there. And it was Dr. Lee Berger here who's who's lived in South Africa his whole career, basically. Mm-hmm. He's actually from Georgia, which I didn't know. Oh, but yeah. yeah he's <laughs> lived in South Africa for his whole career because he's a paleoanthropologist. If yeah. you want to be a paleoanthropologist, well, you need to go where the paleoanthropology is. Yes. And South Africa has long been a, a hub of this kind of stuff. What? Par- partly because of the cave systems. You mean it's not Georgia? I'm it's shocked. It's really not Georgia. <laughs> Although Georgia, the country, has a lot of cool stuff too. They do. I believe that's where the Denisovans were. Oh yeah, yeah. good point, good yeah. point. So, okay, well. Anyway, yeah, so he's he's been there and, and with something interesting, his son actually like found a rock that was a skull of a uh, an early homo. Oh. I can't remember which one it was. Yeah, but, they, yeah, yeah, I remember hearing about that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the group of individuals found in the cave have this interesting mixture of human and ape features. This would be the Homo naledi. Mm-hmm. They were not like anything that had previously discovered, which is why they pushed to to give them a new species name. And as yeah. far as I can tell, this has been 10 years since this happened. So it's pretty well set in the academic community that Homo naledi is a new species. They're like a new side branch on the on the family tree essentially right well, there have been more bones found of homo naledi than any the, other yeah. homo species in existence ever yeah right for sure. i mean besides maybe neanderthal mm-hmm. but for uh i don't even know if that's true to be honest with you i mean there are so many individuals in this cave that it's irrefutable that that this is a new species. Yeah. Regardless of what you think about it, yeah. it's a new species. It definitely is. And this is a new, very old species. They date yeah. to somewhere from 236,000 to 335,000 years ago. So yeah. so very, very old, pre-human, pre-modern human for sure. And it, I think it's a little unclear still, like where they fall as far as in the the family tree line, like if they're leading to another species, yeah. they're not in the the human branch, I don't think at all, but, but they could be going, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly how they fit into the family tree. So, yeah. Some of their features that make them what they are is they have a heavy brow ridge, much like some of the people I went to college with. Um, they're flat nosed and have a protruding that mouth. That was really mean to the people you went to college with. What's like, wrong with them? Actually, there was this one guy who was super cool, very smart, but we always used to say he had definite, definite like Neanderthal genes because he had the biggest brow ridge I've ever seen in my oh, really? life. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know what? Know. It still exists in modern humans today. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was cool, though. Uh, he knew it, though. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So, protruding mouth like an ape. Um, their teeth, however, were more similar to modern humans um, than apes. And uh, their brains are very small, which is one of the reasons why, if you're going to build a controversy around this thing, a lot of people, when this first, the research first came out, were like, there's no way an an individual or a being with brains this size could do the things that you're saying they're doing. Yes, that is. Because we didn't have evidence of it before that. Yeah, it's the heart of the controversy, really, is how small. Their their brains are about a third of the size of a modern human brain, like about the size of an orange, which... It's quite small, really, when you think about it. I know. I'm like an orange that you find like at a fruit stand or an orange at the grocery store. <laughs> like a navel orange or a clementine? Like yeah. which, which kind are we talking about here? Uh, what, kind of, what kind of orange? Um, they walked upright, but had slightly longer arms than humans. Although when you look at the documentary, they show the hand and it is... It is a human hand. Yeah, but you the know, fingers very, are a lot longer, longer for like grabbing. But the shape is more human. It whereas is. with a, with an ape-like species, a more ape-like thing, the, the thumb is in a different orientation more yeah. for grabbing onto uh, branches and things. Yeah, true. Yeah. 
height wise, they would have been in the four foot eight to five foot two range. Oh. And they were super skinny and much better adapted to climbing than humans. So, so you're like a tall Naledi. <laughs> Excuse me. I am five foot three. So I would be a giant among their people. <laughs> Rude. Yeah. So. As yet, there is no evidence for tool making by this group, um, but we will get there. No, hush, okay. we will get there. All right. I don't know why you would write that <laughs> since we will get there. Because that is the current agreed upon research for the, this group of people mm. or group of prehumans. Yeah. The Rising Star Cave has, is, so let's talk about the Rising Star Cave now. It's a really, really cool cave system. It has a few man-made openings from mining activity about a century ago. Yeah. And that is the w- the way that they're getting into the cave today. The mm-hmm. natural opening that would have been used by the Homo Naledi has collapsed and is not accessible anymore. But fortunately, miners have created an entrance for us. <laughs> yeah, it was only about 10 meters away from where their command center was. Yeah. That they had, um, which is what they call the area where... Basically, they had all the camera and audio mm-hmm. feeds running up to because Lee Berger, I mean, we'll get to it. But, yeah. you know, he def- he didn't go down into the cave every day, right? Like no. Billy, other people did because it was very hard to get in there. But they were watching every step of the way. Yeah. You know, through these camera feeds. They had eyeballs on the whole thing. So yeah. it was really cool the, from a technology standpoint, what they had to set up yeah. in order to keep track of all the excavations. Because a lot of the people heading these activities, the other guide. John Hawk, I think his name was, or Hawks, something like that. Yeah. He was not able to go in the cave either. Yeah, but. I've met John Hawks. Oh, yeah, have you? Okay. Yeah. He's, he's not a small guy either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't take a lot to not be able to go in this cave. So yeah. anyway, uh, so from the command center, you start heading down into the cave and you reach this first tight passage that they call the Superman's crawl. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine what that would be like. It's literally like you have to crawl down like through this opening and you're sort of pushing your gear in front of you or maybe attaching it to your foot and pulling it behind you depending on the circumstance so it's a very very tight tight crawl it looked like although it looks like most people could fit through that you just have to be comfortable like crawling through a tight space well it's caving you have to be comfortable in all kinds of tight spaces yeah for sure yeah that opens up into what's called the dragon's back chamber which is tall and has room for a bunch of people to work together this is the area where the current excavations and by current we like, mean like, like recently. this recent season yeah, yeah. Um, that's what those are focused on yeah they show that a little bit in the documentary where they're working on some areas in that front that that dragon's back chamber area yeah. which is like the first big chamber from there you climb up what they call the dragon's back ridge uh, which is basically straight up almost as high as the cave entrance and if i remember right it's called that because it's it's very spiky but yeah. it looks like it's a lot of rock fall too like yeah. the ceiling collapse down onto this. It so does look like that. It may not yeah. have been like that when the lady was climbing up it. Yeah, I wonder what kind of... They didn't really talk about what the orientation of the cave would have been when the Naledi were using it. If might not be able to tell. They might not be able to tell. I wonder yeah. if they've had geologists look at it and be like, well, this looks like it fell more recently or whatever. Because that, that yeah. would be very important information, which we will get to later on as you know, the skeptics of this documentary basically are talking about you know, how they could have gotten back there and why they would have gone back there. Yeah. Okay. So after you climb Dragon's Back Ridge, at the top, you have to drop down what's called the chute. And this is a 12 meter, 12 meter vertical shaft. And this is the problem for anybody who's larger than, you know, well, a pretty tiny person. I think (laughs) they said it was 18 centimeters. Yeah. At its its narrowest. What is that? Like... 
that's not eight a lot. inches or something like that. No, like, it's more than eight inches. But it's more. It's you yeah. have to you you are sucking in your stomach the whole time. It's not easy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're a woman, you're probably binding your boobs in order to squeeze through there because yeah. I can't imagine how you could do that. So anyway, very, very, very tight shaft and also vertical. So yeah. you're climbing down while you're trying to squeeze through. Once you get to the bottom of the chute, you enter what's called the hill antechamber. And then from there, there's a very narrow passage, which takes you to the Dinaletti chamber, where the new species was initially discovered. Yeah. And, and lots of it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into the controversy just a little bit as we end this segment. Yeah. So over the summer, Lee Berger and his team of researchers released what's called a series of preprints about their recent finds. And I would, I had not heard of preprint preprints before, so that was new to me. But basically, they are pre-peer-reviewed research publications. It's kind of like a look what we found or look what we did or yeah. here's something cool that's coming out soon. It's But it's kind of like veiled in this sort of scientific academic way because they come right. out in association with these academic journals or, or whatever. So, But they're called preprints. The research is not peer-reviewed yet, and in this particular case, if the claims that they make in the preprints are true, it'll really upend what we know about human evolution and early human behavior. So that is the controversy, and that's what we're going to talk about as we go through sort of deconstructing the documentary in the next couple segments. All right. We'll do that on the other side of the break. Back in a minute. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. So you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Welcome back to episode 246 of the Archaeology Show. And if you haven't watched it already, go check out the Netflix unknown Cave of Bones show. Yes. Spoilers um, about to yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah. Because if you haven't seen it, you're about to see it uh, virtually <laughs> right. for us. Yeah. We're going to yeah. walk you walk you through it. Yeah. So, so my first impression is regardless of what you think about the conclusions of this documentary, mm-hmm. it is really freaking cool. It is really cool. It is really well done. You get mm-hmm. this really close look at a super unique excavation. They really feature the archaeology. You know, they show the grid setup where they're excavating the different units and the different features, which are the the 
quote unquote burials, which we'll get to. Yeah. Like they really, really do feature the archaeology and I have to give them really big props for that. They did such a good job. They made it interesting. They made it cool. And I guess the site itself is cool. So like they didn't have to work too hard to make that look cool, but it was really cool. So for this documentary, they almost certainly did not get camera people down into this cave only because no, you have you to don't be, think so? no, 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 I don't think so. But you have to be like a real caver to get down there yeah. and, and the people, the archeologists they had going down there and the um, exploration technicians, I think they call them mm-hmm. going down there. I mean, these people were experienced cavers. That's why they were going down there. Mm-hmm. And, I think if Lee Berger had been able to fit into the Denaledi cave, uh-huh. we wouldn't have any of this video footage. Oh. Because who videos their excavation like this? Yeah. The reason we have most of this is because he needed to see every single minute yeah. from above. And, yeah, because he couldn't go down there. Right, and the yeah. other people as well. So I yeah. think we we benefited by his girth <laughs> in, in, in anybody's girth. I mean, right. it's a very small percentage of the population that could even fit in here. Yeah. But, well, yeah. true, but they did have a camera on the more recent excavations. And it does seem like that was done by somebody who at least knows how to work a camera. They might've had to right. hire specific it's not hard to do, people though. with the specific skills to get down in the cave. You but. can see the shadows of it a lot of times and it's GoPros for sure. Is it really? Yeah, GoPros are 4k and oh, 8k wow. these yeah, days. They and are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're high quality images. Yeah. So yeah. Well, regardless of how they filmed it, yeah. I was just like, enthralled the whole time. I thought it was really cool. So, yeah. One thing you really get from the documentary that you might not get in other places because of, you know, funding is you get a really good description of the cave and these really awesome kind of black and white like almost like drawings, yeah, kind of. drawings, but like they they move and, and yeah, and it's animation, animated, yeah, but but it's really good and and it gives you a really solid idea of the yeah. journey that the you have to take. The only reason we were able to describe the cave as well as we did in the first segment is because of those drawings, yeah. animated drawings that they had in the in the documentary. So right. that was really great. And keep in mind too, I mean, there are some some narrow passageways, but the only place that Berger couldn't get to and, and other people that are just too big was the actual Denaledi chamber at the very end yeah. because of the shoot. Yeah, they just you know, couldn't get through that Yeah, shoot. we described the shoot and it was just, in fact, in the sh- documentary, he's... Um, He's on his way down and he's like, I, I can't get through this one part. He's like, it's like a centimeter. My chest just gets scramming it. So he, yeah. so he got up and somebody had a hammer and they basically they just did. like chiseled away part yeah. of it. Yeah. Spoiler like, alert. He does go into the chamber at the very yeah, end of well, the movie. Yeah. That was like one of the dramatic moments they had. Right. But yeah, they had to like hammer some, <laughs> some rock out of the way so he could fit yeah. through. Yeah. So like we've said a couple of times, they have very sophisticated video and audio equipment that goes with the excavators so that it can be managed from the command center where Lieberger and the other folks that are managing it can, yeah. can keep an eye on things. And so during the initial investigations, Berger and his team, Berger or Berger? Berger. Berger. Berger? That's what he said in the Explorers okay. Club. So during the initial investigations, Berger and his team considered many possibilities on how all of these homo naledi remains got into that chamber in the back of the cave. Yeah. You know, they thought maybe animals had dragged the bones in and then they dropped them through the shafts. That was one theory in the very beginning, not, not currently, but in the very beginning. But then they examined the bones and there's just, there's no bite marks on the bones. That's yeah. what you would see on bones if there were animals dragging them around. Yep. Also, there was at least one articulated foot and if you have articulated remains, they probably weren't dragged around by animals because 
they would fall apart, you know? We have been recently accused of having too much jargon in our podcast, which surprises me. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yes. okay. And uh, so articulated arti- is a little jargony, isn't it? Articulated just yeah. means it looks like a foot would look. It was yeah. put together. Yeah. And All the, the only pieces way- are still... The bones Arranged. are in the orientation they would be as you look at your foot now. Mm-hmm. And the only way that happens is if it gets down there with flesh around it to hold those bones together. Yeah. 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 And like like pretty solid pieces of flesh. It can't just be like like the little droopy bits like that you see. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's got to be solid enough that it's still connected and stays together. Yeah. This was an actual foot when it got into the cave. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've got to throw out the animals dragging the bones in. So, you know, next theory. Yeah, so the next theory is that Homo naledi themselves dragged the bodies through the cave and they they brought them in there on purpose Mm -hmm. and were looking for a place to, you know, protect their dead. Yeah. For lack of a better way to say that. Yeah. Yeah. And and they kind of like went with that theory for a little while and they have a little bit of proof of that because there is evidence of beetle activity on the bones and those particular beetles would only have done that if there was still flesh on the bones when they were deposited in the cave. Yeah. So they know that these, these remains got there with flesh on them still basically, which indicates like a body doesn't just get there without some help. Yeah. So now they're kind of theorizing, well, maybe the Naledi dragged them in there and then dropped them down the chute. And that's how they got there with, with the flesh yeah. on their bones still. And like any scientific work, you have to think, well, what are the other possible ways this could have happened? You you want to yeah. think of the ways that change the world and, and you know, yeah. put your name on the map. But yeah. what are the other possible ways? Mm-hmm. So obviously there's uh, a few ways that we can think of. One is that the bodies could have washed in with water activity, yes. right? Because caves are made using water anyway, right? Yeah. Usually it's dripping in long-term water, but there's a lot of moisture and a lot of water down in South Africa and these caves will fill up with water pretty quick, yeah. you know, if it starts to rain. Yep. So that's a possibility. Also that people just could have crawled in there and died themselves. Maybe they couldn't yeah. get out of the chute. Maybe they got tr- you know? turned around or got trapped and I just know. ended up in a place where they fell down the chute. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could have happened. And then finally, these could have been ancient astronauts that beamed in there <laughs> and then couldn't beam back out. Oh my God. That is one of the current theories <laughs> that is yet to be disproven. That is not a theory. <laughs> we do not support that. <laughs> try, to be clear, please don't pull out that soundbite sound of Chris saying that. <laughs> try to disprove it. I, I dare you. Prove oh me my wrong. God. <laughs> All right. So to recap, they have these bones that went into to this chamber with flesh on them they don't know exactly how it happened but they know that they need more evidence to find out why yeah so after that initial excavations in the 2013-14 time frame they went back in 2018 to keep looking yeah and that's when they found what they are now calling burials yeah so in this context the burial means basically a pit was dug yeah right and it was an oval shaped pit and there were remains deposited in it uh, and then it was covered with dirt and, and other debris from the cave yeah so when that happens you have this very obvious change in soil color and texture yeah. around the remains and i will say one thing about that from my own experience excavating burials mm-hmm. is that the other thing that causes a change in soil texture is the decomposition of flesh. It enters the soil around the body Mm -hmm. and it completely changes it into a different type of soil. It's something you're looking for when you're excavating a burial because when you hit that soil 
texture difference, you you know, okay, there might have been yeah. a body deposited here. Now these are two hundred thirty thousand years old. So well, and there's bones in the in the burial. So yeah, so like I don't know that that is necessarily true yeah. in this case, but that's what they're saying. Well, one of the things that that led them to believe that this was an intentional burial and not just something that was laid here and then covered with dirt Mm -hmm. naturally is, and and this I don't feel like was covered very well in the documentary. Really? He really had good pictures of this in the talk that I saw, Uh but basically they showed an image of a flat surface with like a kind of a crust on the surface because the surfaces get kind of a crust on them. Mm -hmm. And then they showed this burial that was dug into that surface, right? Mm -hmm. Well, if this had been naturally covered through water action, through roof fall, through other things, you would have different types of soils in this in this burial right yeah but instead what they see is the the broken up fragments of the crust from the surface mm. so it's clear evidence that it was excavated uh-huh. somebody was laid there and then that particular dirt was thrown back on top of the body okay yeah it, it was thrown in a jumbled fashion but they yeah. can see the evidence of the layers of dirt next to it in the layers of dirt that are right there okay proving conclusively that this was dug on purpose a body was put there and that dirt was put back right okay yeah. that's yeah they don't really show that no. very well in the documentary no it's they just say take my word for it it was soil that was you know yeah. deposited on I mean, top by a, by another human yeah some things have to get cut i understand yeah but it's uh it's pretty foundational as far as i can tell okay so you might be wondering like why is this significant why is this a controversy well previously the oldest human burials date to 100,000 to 120,000 years ago the naledi burials date to 236,000 to 335,000 years ago that not only pushes back more than 130,000 years, the oldest burial practices. Right. But it's it's done by a species that has a brain that is a third the size of ours. And it's technically like a non-human species. It's, it's homo, but it's not homo sapien. Yeah. So those are two really, really huge and extraordinary claims. And one of the people that was on these excavations was Augustine Fuentes. And... That's funny. Rachel didn't actually remember this. I did not remember yeah, this. But it was about five years ago or so. I looked it up. He's He's got a book that came out in 2019 called uh, Why We Believe. And it's about the evolution of religion. And we used to belong to a group called the Reno Freethinkers. And we got him on a Zoom call, Augustine Fuentes. I kind of remember it now yeah, that you start talking about to it. To come yeah. into our meeting and basically yeah. talk to us about that book. And we ask, ask questions and stuff. But one of the things he's talking about with this whole burial thing is it's, you got to think, you know, there's a lot of emotion tied up in this and mm-hmm. it's a very complex advanced way of thinking that animals just don't do. They right? just don't do it. Yeah. And, yeah. but there's the emotion is I can't handle watching your body eaten by other animals. I can't mm-hmm. handle watching the elements destroy you. I can't handle all of this stuff. Therefore I'm going to either bury you or I'm going to take you deep into a cave where nobody can possibly find yeah. you. And then I'm going to bury you there. Yeah. And that is very complex emotional state. It's so complex because yeah. it's not just take you into a cave and bury you. It's take you under like drag your body underneath the Superman's passage where you have to be on your hands and knees crawling and pushing a body through and then dragging it up this huge, you know, the dragon spine and then down through the chute where granted they were much smaller individuals. So they would have fit a lot better, but still like that is so much work just to find a place to 
put their dead to rest, which right. is a little, almost a little unbelievable to know, to think that like that, <laughs> the people doing this, I keep saying people, but I mean, I know they're not like non-human. This, they're homo. Yeah, they're, yes. The, the homo Naledi doing this yeah. and they have such tiny brains. It's like, how is that even possible? That's why people are so skeptical of this. But the evidence of burials are, I mean, it's, it looks pretty good from what we can see just you know, from this non-peer reviewed research. Well, I don't know about you, but we're going to take a break. And while we're doing that, I'm going to think about how my tiny brain relatives get anything done. (laughs) All right. Back in a minute where we finish talking about the documentary. (laughs) Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to episode 246 of the Archaeology Show. And we're talking about the Homo Naledi discovery in Rising Star Cave in the Netflix documentary. So if you haven't seen it, again, go watch it. Yeah, definitely. So I think we've been mostly positive about everything we saw in the documentary. I mean, I, I know that the burial stuff is a bit of a reach so far, but I mean, the evidence looks pretty good. They need more actual peer review research published before it's for sure but i mean it looks pretty good so far Mm -hmm. and they had lots of really cool scenes in the documentary that kind of added to the picture although some of them were not very scientific (laughs) Yeah, yeah i know so like in this one scene they they sort of rebuilt the skeleton of a homo naledi because again they have so many individuals yeah that they were basically able to put together a complete skeleton Mm -hmm. from a bunch of different individuals and that way you could see what the skeleton of one of these these individuals would have looked like. And it was really cool. It's not really worth anything from a scientific standpoint, I don't think, because it's not like and it's not a single individual. It's a bunch of people put together. But it still was a cool visual to see it like that. Kind of makes you wonder. I was thinking about this with uh, the fact that there's no 100 percent complete skeletons. Leads you to believe, like, there, I mean, there must have yeah. been some animals that got into there. There must have been. Because those, yeah. are, those bones are either drug, drug away or mm-hmm. eaten, or possibly they just didn't make the fossilization process. Oh, and, maybe, and they, they decompose. Yeah, they just decompose. Yeah, yeah I, bet, so. I bet that would be a big a That's big probably one. more part of it. And, the, and water activity, too. I mean, like yeah. you said, caves are formed by water, so there would have been water at the 
in there at some point or another, well, mucking like things up. Not like they've excavated down to, to solid rock yet either in yeah. all the whole thing. So it's possible that there's you know, it's more just movement. Yeah. yeah. Another really cool moment on camera, which maybe was a little staged, maybe not. They probably knew it was there and, mm-hmm. and then like made sure they had cameras on it. But they uncovered, in quotes, a hearth or fire feature. And it looks like the the hearth had bits of bone in it, basically yeah. bits of burned bone. Yeah, Burger was like, Naledi had fire and also cooked meat. And it was really, you know, he was standing there and, and it was yeah. pretty cool. But, you know, the thing is, that is actually really cool because seeing evidence of fire, you can see evidence kind of of hearths because of the, the way it changes soil and things like that. But mm-hmm. actually seeing evidence of fire like this that's that old, mm-hmm. regardless of the species that did it, is unheard of. Yeah. Absolutely unheard of. It is. The preservation in this cave environment and, and how all that just worked out from a chemical standpoint mm-hmm. is what caused that to be. But it's it's just unheard of to find something this old that is oh, totally. direct evidence of fire. And I think the thing that made me pause, though, is that they found this this hearth in the f- the first chamber, the bigger chamber that anybody yeah. could access. Yeah. And that would mean anybody in the last 200,000 years. Yeah. And they don't know for sure that this fire was created by the Homo naledi. Definitely not. They just don't have evidence of any other human ancestors or humans in this cave. So I think it's dangerous to jump to the conclusion that it was Homo naledi who made this fire. Just because you ha- it, there's an absence of evidence doesn't mean that it's that conclusion. Yeah, does somebody have to have died there to prove they were there? Exactly. Right. Yeah. So I well, again, not fully excavated either. Maybe there a, are other burials there from modern humans. And this is in the area that they're current. The yeah. current excavations are focused on. So maybe they will find yeah. more direct evidence for who created that fire. Maybe it was Homo naledi. But mm-hmm. it might have been somebody more recently. Yeah. I suppose they need to date the hearth still, too. They should be able to do some kind of analysis on it. Maybe yeah. not carbon-14, though, right? Because that wouldn't... I no. don't think you can go that far back with carbon-14, right? No, you can't. Yeah. They would have to find a different type of dating technique. Yeah. So, yeah. So, other interesting things that I just noticed, because, you know, I'm always looking at us with a skeptical eye mm-hmm. <laughs> at something like this, because it's our field, right? So, I'm like, what are they doing? And one thing I noticed is that they showed tons and tons of fragments of bones with numbers on them, and the numbers were, like, in the 200s, right? But they never said how many individuals there were in the homo, in the Dinaletti chamber where the Homo Naledi were found. And... I looked it up online and the minimum number of individuals is, or the estimated number of individuals is 15, Mm -hmm. which is a massive number for a, for paleoanthropology, right? Yeah. But when they show these fragments of bones with numbers in the 200s, it it makes it seem like there's a lot more individuals than that. It's just the fragments that are counted. It's just the fragments that are counted. That's why I wanted to make sure that that was clear. It wasn't clear in the documentary. That was fragments, not individuals. Yeah, of course. You wouldn't put the number, same number on every bone. Yeah. Yeah. And another sort of, I guess, critique I had is they, like we talked about, they had all these amazing animations that they were doing, sort of these like, almost like sketch animations, right? And they did one for this like supposed burial that the Homo Naledi would have done and this like teary-eyed group of mourners gathering around a dead loved one. The body is wrapped with some kind of cord, which of course they have no evidence for because cord would not survive in the archaeological record. And I just was like, that is a really nice fantasy. And that's the kind of thing that archaeologists love to sit around 
at a bar having a beer and like fantasizing about that. But I'm not sure that those kind of fantasies have a place in like documentary okay. world or documentaries where those belong. They I don't mean, belong in a paper. Only if they're clear in the documentary that this is an right, idea think, and this is what we, this is a cool way it could have happened. Of course they you were. Know? They didn't just, say that this is how it happened, but what they're I trying to represent is that what we mentioned in the last segment is that you don't, you don't make this journey, this perilous journey, even for somebody who's four foot eight and it probably wasn't as perilous for, mm-hmm. but you know, they can fit in there and, but it was still really difficult. You didn't have flashlights. You had fire. You were trying to maintain while you're going in this really dark, scary place. Yeah. And not only that, but you're bringing your dead, you know, relative or friend along with you. And the, the emotion that's part of this would have been real. Right. So I mean, they were definitely sad to see this person go. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, why would they be going through so much trouble to to bury them? And I don't know if they even had tears, to be honest with you. But yeah, I mean, I appreciate the I guess the the theory behind the animation. Right. Yeah. I, like I said, this is the kind of stuff that we love doing. We love to sit around and theorize how something could have happened. Yeah. It's the fun of doing this kind of work. Right. For somebody who doesn't do this kind of work. Yeah. I'm not sure they did a very good job of drawing that line between fact and fantasy. Yeah. These illustrations and animations came across as this is how it would have happened rather than this is how it could right. have happened, in my opinion. So well, we got to talk before we end the show yeah. about one of the other major, major finds that they had here. And one of these was from a child burial. Yeah. Um, so they found these really tiny finger bones and when they were looking at this, they were super fragile and they were like, how are we going to get this thing out of here? I don't think mm-hmm. we can excavate it. So they ended up wrapping the entire thing without excavating. They wrapped mm-hmm. the entire thing in, in plaster like you would do like dinosaur bones or something. And then they pulled the entire piece out of the cave. This whole small, small, small child. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Like, like they did an animation, I think of it as well, yeah. where they were like yeah. pulling it up the chute and right. all the crazy. Pro- oh no, it wasn't an animation. They had actual footage of it yeah, because they, they have cameras both, on everything. Yeah. 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 It's so crazy. They, they still haven't, as far as I know, they still haven't broken into this plaster. I don't think they um, have. Yeah. But they did do a CT scan. So Lee Berger's wife uh, is also a scientist, but she's also in the, in the medical side of things. And she yeah. has a CT scanner and they looked at it, but it wasn't. High enough resolution. They couldn't really get the detail that they wanted to really find out what was going on here. But one of the things they did see was it looked like there was a piece of rock Mm -hmm. in with this burial. And you don't find a lot of rock in there, they said, that's not like roof fall. And this wasn't roof fall rock. This wasn't anything else because it's all like limestone and stuff in there. So, but this, this rock was different. And it was like kind of like flat and it definitely had like a tool like yeah. shape to it so they, they i thought this was really funny they started calling it the tool like rock <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> which is exactly what it looks like really so yeah, yeah. So they ended up taking it to the um, European Synchrotron Radiation Facility in France, which is basically a gigantic scanner mm-hmm. to do this, I mean, sub-millimeter level scan yeah. of the things inside to produce 3D images of what was in there. And they ended up seeing this this rock that, that everybody is saying, my God, this looks like a tool. And it mm-hmm. looks like it was directly placed in this child's hand. Yeah. after death. Yeah. You know, it was buried with this tool in its hand. And maybe it was just like... You know, I mean, you you can speculate all you want, but a lot of times in obviously 
later burials and like the Egyptians and, and, and everybody else, they would literally give them things that would come to life in the afterlife yeah. and, and help them like servants and things like that. Yep. Representations, also tools and things for weapons. protection, food, yeah. supplies. Nope. You're going on a journey, right? <laughs> I mean, we're not saying that these guys did that, but no. it could have been even something as simple as, well, the kid really liked playing around with this. Yeah. You know? And so they wanted to give him something yeah. comforting. But even that representation, that thought is, is it's so advanced. advanced, right? And we kind of glossed over this, but when they did this 3D image, they definitely saw a full skeleton encased in this piece of rock that is covered by plaster right now that they, they just can't excavate it because it's too fragile. Yeah. But I'm not sure they really need to because they can see the full skeleton with the this crazy uh, good imaging, think, you know? I think it's time. Do you think so? Yeah, I think they should. I just would hate to ruin it, but you know, I mean... I'm not going to ruin it. it they got to get to that rock and figure out yeah. if it's a, an actual tool or not. They also need to know if it was placed there or if it got in there in another way, which excavating might give them some clues about that because yeah. when they looked at the scan of the rock, there wasn't really conclusive evidence that it was a tool and it could have just been a natural piece yeah. of rock that fell in so that knowing if it was placed in the hand, if it's an actual tool, like all yeah. that would be very important. So, but in the documentary, they really played this up, right? Well, like, like they they're making tools. Yeah. These are, these were a pre pre human species that are making tools. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like let's back up for a second. Like we don't even know this is a tool yet. So there's a lot going on here. So <laughs> there is, but like, we yeah. don't even know this is a tool. So I know slow your roll guys. <laughs> it's just two of the, two of the things that define Homo sapiens, yeah. Uh, really, yeah. Is uh, I mean, aside from brain size, yeah, is uh, burials and tool making. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're the only species on the planet that have ever done something like that. Yeah. Well, intentional tool making, intentional There's tool use in other animals, yeah. like chimpanzees, mm -hmm. even even dolphins and things like that. There's evidence of tool use, but not tool making. Right. Right. That's a very different thing. Right. So, um, expediently using something that already exists as a tool is different than seeing something and saying, I see something inside this that I can make. Yeah. You know, so there's another thing that, that they made that we need to talk about right at the end here is yes. the pictographs, which really are petroglyphs. I don't know why they kept calling they them pictographs. They did call them pictographs. So I went with that because that's what they called it in the documentary. Pictographs are typically painted images only. Yeah. And petroglyphs are etched or scratched yeah. or carved in some way. Pet petroglyphs can be painted, but that doesn't make them pictographs. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, maybe that's just a different term they use in South Africa or something maybe, like that. I don't know. I like anyway. Yeah. So Lee Berger, who said famously he will never go down the chute because he was too big. Yeah. Lost a whole bunch of weight. Yeah. To his credit. Yeah. And because he wanted to go down there. And then on the way in and. I know you, you wrote up these notes and I you're did. very skeptical. You didn't watch the doc. You didn't watch the talk that I watched. I didn't watch it. You're right. But he, <laughs> he goes in and on his way, discovers these pictographs and you said it felt very staged. It did feel very staged. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think they represented it that way in the documentary a little bit, but the way he said it was uh, on the talk that I saw was, you know, they were, there were cavers going in and they were, they were very focused on, on the ground and getting through and weren't really, weren't really paying attention to some of that stuff. And even in the documentary, and I don't know if this was real or not, but one of the guys was like, you don't think that that's natural? Like some people may have seen that and thought it was natural. Mm -hmm. And he's like, this is definitely not natural. You know, he's, he's just talking about that. And that, that couldn't have been staged because he only went down there that one time, right? For the documentary. I don't know if he's been down there since, but yeah. at the time that was his first time down there. It'd be hard to stage that. Unless they staged him going down there the first time for the documentary like maybe he had already been down there once before 
I don't know. The I don't emotions know. seemed real. Yeah, and they had to like chip away yeah. pieces of rock for him to get down there. So yeah, it, I don't it, think it did seem real. That was all real. Yeah. So maybe it maybe it wasn't staged. I don't know, but it just seemed a little unbelievable to me that nobody had noticed these lines on the rocks and and yeah. pointed it out at least. So, yeah. but that's fine. He had his dramatic moment of being the first to notice quote unquote rock art, but the scratches themselves, they're located on the dolomitic walls of a natural pillar at the entrance and exit of the passage that connects Hill Antechamber, which is at the bottom of the chute, with the Dinaletti Chamber, which is where most of the yeah. burials have been found. Interestingly, though, I think they said that the child burial that has the tool in its, the quote unquote tool like rock yeah. in its hand is near where these petroglyphs were found yeah so there was a lot of reaching in the end of the documentary there where they were trying to say that like reaching up to scratch yeah, the rocks. that the that they like scratched the rock put the that that tool into the child's hand and then buried the child and i'm like wow that yeah. is a lot of of separate things that you're trying to draw together into one story and i wasn't super comfortable with that because there's yeah. i don't know that they could ever have evidence for for that being the case but well yeah they yeah they did i mean some say that it could be natural weathering that's for sure mm -hmm. and you can't rule that out in some cases but you you can with some better scans right i mean yeah. if you can see some some definite i mean there's 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 evidence that tools will put onto rock art right mm -hmm. i mean that, that you can say that this was made by something else and i just don't know if at least by the time this documentary is done, and even the talk that I saw, yeah. that, that that work had actually been done. Yeah. But one of the things he did show in the talk that I saw was they they put out these images, and they're calling it the hashtag, right? Because there's yeah. these like tic-tac-toe-shaped etchings yeah. in one part of it with some other stuff superimposed on it. Mm -hmm. And there's almost identical scratchings in a cave uh, up in Europe somewhere. I can't remember where it was, but, but it was, you know, 150,000 years later too, Yeah, but yeah. almost identical. And by like Neanderthals, I think, right. Something like that. Yeah. 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 So like, it, but it's very easy markings to make. They're very, very primitive. Easy. Yeah. You know, it doesn't take a lot of brain size to, to be yeah. able to come up with something like that. It's more the intention behind it. Like, yeah. like the why of it all, right. you know, and the earliest art by Homo sapiens that we know of so far is in the Blombos cave in South Africa. Yeah. It was made approximately 80,000 years ago. So again, like we're pushing the dates of this kind of stuff way, 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 way back and into a yeah. different species, which is why this is all so extraordinary. And I don't think anybody's against it. All this stuff sounds amazing. I want all of it to be true. I really, really do. But a lot of this came out in preprints. It's not been peer reviewed, published research yet. So I think a lot of the skeptics are just like, we need more evidence for this. Like it looks yeah. good so far, but you just can't draw all these conclusions yet. We need more evidence. We need to see your evidence, you know, in a peer reviewed paper. So I'll leave you with this. I don't think we need more evidence to know that this is real. I think it's great. I think we need more evidence to just solidify the picture a little more like i totally yeah. believe this entire thing it, it's pretty solid for me it's pretty strong but the big questions i have are first off this is the only place homo naledi's ever been found uh -huh. where's the rest of it yeah where's the rest yeah. of homo naledi now there's not a lot i mean there's been a lot found in south africa but still you know there's also a lot of animals down there that eat people right so mm -hmm. there's not a lot of really good things left most of what's been found down there has been found in cave and limestone mm -hmm. environments right yeah so 
you know, we need to find more stuff like that. But also if they were so, you know, quote, advanced 250 to 300,000 years ago, you know, why didn't they change more dramatically than that? You yeah. know, why didn't they? And, but that's not, that's not even a fair question because I mean, you see that in the archeological record all the time where somebody's doing something and they just do the same damn thing for 50,000 years, Yeah, you know, and nothing changes. So that's, I guess, not too surprising. I wouldn't expect them to have cars 10,000 years later, you know? Right. So. Well, I would wonder where's the rest of them. Yeah. And like, why aren't they in our direct line of evolution? Like they're on a branch over here and, probably didn't even contribute to well we don't the, know that yet I, I mean i think that they're separate yeah, but, but we don't know that yet They've i mean i guess maybe the they yeah maybe they yeah. are more in our direct line but then like they then humans or the ancestors lose that ability like why didn't those abilities continue on or have we just not found evidence of I it i don't know i mean we're this is a time frame when multiple human-like species were living on the planet. Yeah. You know, not all of them made it to Homo sapiens. Yeah, these guys just seem so advanced. So, like, why didn't they make it? Why didn't the things that they were doing continue on to the next... But you're not asking the right question, right? Like, they seem so advanced, sure, but maybe we just don't have evidence of the other human-like species at that time doing this because we haven't found it yet. It's the common problem of absence of evidence doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It just means we don't have the evidence yet. So it's it's really important to keep that in your mind. Were were they advanced or were they just normal and we haven't found evidence that other species did the same thing? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible. It's a very unique environment that Mm -hmm. it's going to be difficult to find again. Yeah. why is Homo naledi the only one that managed to make it there? Yeah. You know? Why didn't anybody else follow him in? That's why I'm like, can we say for sure the rock art was the Homo naledi? Like maybe right. that was a later species yeah. that managed to get in there, do the thing. The burials that were there from the Homo naledi would have been long covered at that point. Sure. If like, you know, a hundred thousand years later, some Homo sapiens, you yeah. know, somebody from that branch got in there and made the rock art. Yeah. So I think that's where my skepticism comes in is like drawing all these things into one picture together mm-hmm. for the Homo naledi when they could be separate you know, disparate things that happened, you know, completely separate and maybe hundreds of thousands of years apart. Yeah. I think that's probably my biggest critique. I don't, I'm not saying none of this happened that it's all wrong. I just, I, I think the big picture is not, I don't know. There just needs to be more evidence before you pull all of it into one story together. Yeah. But that is the fun of archaeology, right? Is telling the story. So I understand wanting to sit around and tell the fun story, right? You just have to be careful when you're communicating to the public that are not experts that don't know that you're not, you know, creating a fantasy that that doesn't have evidence supporting it. So, yeah, I think that was where I fall on all of this. All right. Well, tell us what you think. Yeah, yeah, I want to hear it. I'm I'm very this documentary almost more confused me than <laughs> than yeah. anything cuz I want to believe it so bad. The evidence is so cool. All right, well, we're going to end it there. Hopefully if you, if you celebrate Christmas, hopefully you have a good one tomorrow. Yeah. I actually hopefully you're not listening to this on Christmas Eve. Yeah, I like mean, go if you are, hang that's out fine. with your families, right? Yeah, or do not, you, do. you know. Yeah. Sometimes um, you need a break, right? I know. Family we're gonna break. Go, we're going to go <laughs> hang out with Hans Gruber. So, we'll uh <laughs> See you guys later. (laughs) 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 Thanks for listening to the Archaeology Show. Feel free to comment and view the show notes on the website at www.archpodnet.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ArcPodNet. Music for this show is called I Wish You Would Look from the band Sea Hero. Again, thanks for listening and have an awesome day.
This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.